Day four, number 87, with the man, Frank Scalish, back live in person, in color. I'm in the studio in more. Frank is in the lovely state of Ohio. The lovely cold and cold state of what Ohio. Is your, what is Ohio's slogan? Well, you know, like Missouri's the show me state. Is it Virginia is for lovers? What is Ohio? <laughs> I don't even know. I don't have a clue. Isn't that great? I don't even know. There's got to be a slogan for Ohio, Frank. Well, Matt, you have three computers in front of you. You can I'll find look it this. up. You look it up. Um, <laughs> you look up our slogan, and then um, and I could tell you our our uh, state fish is the. You know walleye. what? It makes a lot of sense because of how difficult the bass fishing is in the state outside right. of the smallmouth. Correct. So the state's official state slogan is, with God, all things are possible. Amen, brother. Amen, brother. So, yeah, so our state fish is the walleye, which I was pissed about because it should have been in smallmouth. But it's but it really shouldn't be because the, we're the walleye capital of the world. Um, our state bird's the cardinal. Um, I have no idea what our state flower is and don't really give a damn. Um <laughs> <laughs> 1959, a 12-year-old boy suggested that. With God, all things are possible. That is the state motto of Ohio. So every time you're on the Ohio River grinding and you've got two for two. Just remember, you're in God's state. (laughs) With God, all things are possible. Right. So that means you could possibly catch two, three more. Uh, The first state motto was an empire within an empire. Okay, that doesn't make one bit of sense. Uh, yeah, that was from like the 1860s. Yeah, well, that's why. That's exactly why. But they got rid of it because it, quote, smacked too much of royalty. Ah. A pretentious air about the motto. That's okay. An empire within an empire. A little pretentiousness isn't too terrible. No. Uh, so he, How you so- been? What's I, up? I've been I've been good. I've been good, man. I, I got a little amped up uh you know this morning, but um that's not for that's for another day. But um, you know, I, I just wanna say something. Last night I stayed up very late watching all the storm coverage and everything, and um hearts and prayers go out to Florida guys. Um that place is getting railed right now, uh and it's really devastating. Um, it's kind of fascinating weather event, to be honest with you, but it's really devastating. So all my prayers go out to you guys from Florida, and um, hopefully everything gets back to normal soon. And that's really kind of how that's not and it's not exactly how I wanted to. <laughs> no, I know. You know, it's amazing. Show, uh, I'm very familiar with that uh, Gulf side uh, coast there where it actually so made like, you know, at, uh, Punta Gorda and St. Pete Pass, yeah. and all that. You know, I kind of grew up going uh, pier fishing there. My grandma had a condo yeah. at Passa Grill. Uh, we just went on vacation in March to uh, Clearwater. Yeah. Uh, but it's amazing. What is amazing uh, is how devastating that that Mother Nature can be, but also how fast they bounce back. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I spend a lot of my time in that area fly fishing saltwater. Um, so I'm very familiar with it from, you know, Fort Myers, Sanibel, Captiva, all, all up and through there. Um, I do a lot of saltwater fly fishing there, and it's... Um, it's actually unbelievable the devastation and and uh, the thing that I found, especially with nature. One time I went down there and they had what they called the uh, the um, red tide. Think, yeah, red tide, and there you couldn't catch a fish to save your life. the The water was actually not red; it was like milky white, and you couldn't see anything in the water. And the fishing was terrible. Um, snook were dying everywhere. Uh, it was a real, it was a real big, big, huge problem down there. And, um, I found one clear water area more towards the ocean, uh, where I caught a lot of snook, but, um, 
the weird thing is the very next year that place came back like gangbusters snook and speckled trout were everywhere new grass beds were growing i mean it was crazy it's crazy what nature does um you know nature won't destroy itself yeah it's really Uh, cool uh last week's show you kind of did a little uh uncle frank flex with the btl yeti mug from kermit's customs now flip it around on the other side and there it says uncle frank uncle frank well i had to get in on the action too kermit's customs also there's my btl mug panger it says panger Sweet. on the back of it uh and then mark who's uh been on a bit of a uh bowling bender there's a tongue twister for you bowling bender down in waxahachie that's right. Uh, and and then uh, on some recruiting trips for the SNU bowling team, he has a mug waiting on him, too, from Kermit's Customs uh, that says MJ on the back of it. So now that I've got mine, big shout out. If you uh, don't personally know uh, Kermit Parsons, but big shout out to him for taking care of us with the mugs. And if you have any custom engraving needs, I'd recommend checking out Kermit's with a K customs with a K LLC on Instagram and shooting him a message. So big shout out. Thank you. Thanks Kermit, Kermit. for the custom mugs. Love it. That mug. I'm afraid to take it in the boat with me because I don't want it to blow out because I've had that happen before. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my track record with high end mugs is not good. Mm-hmm. Mine either. Um, or sunglasses. Mugs and sunglasses seem to just disappear. And, and, and in, in mine and Frankie's case, a camera. <laughs> we were filming a show and we lost a camera overboard. Recently? Last year. Oh, big, like a GoPro yeah. or like a... No, like a real one. Oh, no. Yeah, it was fu- It was not funny at the time, but it, now it's funny. Um, but yeah, he had his cell phone attached to it and everything. We had wireless mics on it and everything and... Uh, boat blew by us. We got in a wave situation and, and it was more like, um, you know, that video, that famous video of that bridge, when the wind came on, it started oscillating a little. Mm-hmm. And then as it started oscillating more and more and more, well, that's what happened. The boat blew by us. We got into a cross chop. I turned the boat into the wave so it wouldn't go back and forth. Right. And the tripod, Frankie was down fixing a GoPro and the tripod started going, Doom, Oh no. Doom, doom, and then it started getting worse and worse. So I yell, Frank camera. And he turns around and he grabs the tripod like that. And the mount broke off the top of the tripod and the camera went. And that was the end of it. I bet that so, was an enjoyable remainder of the trip between you two. <laughs> well, what, what what wound up happening was he's like, what are we going to do now? I go, well, now we put all the shit away and go fish. Oh, so okay. we fished the rest of the day. But, I mean, there's nothing you could do about it. You know, I mean, I, I had put money aside to buy a new camera because the insurance for that was more money than the stupid camera. So I said, I'm not I'll just put the money for the camera away. And then I that's my insurance policy. All right, well, let's lay out a little let's lay out a little game plan for the show today. I know you have some uh, housekeeping that we need to take care of. A lot of cool stuff going on at Lurenet. Oh, yeah. uh, then I want to get your thoughts on. I just got back from the Red River, and I thought a couple times while I was down there, I wonder how uh, Uncle Frank would approach this. And I thought that because we had done the floating vegetation show, mm-hmm. absolutely, and I. Uh, access to backwater where there were multiple types of vegetation all in the same area. And I referenced in my mind that show, like I had hyacinth mats. I had, I think it was, I think it was golden algae. Some say it kind of looked like duckweed, but it had little things, but it would blow up against it. It had some, uh, some dying uh, hydrilla in certain areas, a little bit of live hydrilla and then pads all in the same area with some stump with some wood there. And I thought, this, I mean, I was fishing the little indentations in it, the little holes in it, the areas next to the hyacinth, the shade that it was, it was I literally referenced the show in it. 
uh, and was and was 42nd after the first day. Had some opportunities. Co-angler was leading the tournament after the first day. But uh, I want to get your thoughts. I thought, I wonder if there's any sketchy stuff that Frank's ever tried to get into, especially after, uh, you know, Keith Pochet winning right. it, doing some crazy stuff to get in a backwater. So we'll get into that. And then uh, second half of the show, a little bit of odds and ends. But uh, you mentioned that you maybe wanted to get into some buzzbait tips, which piqued my interest. Yeah, I do. I do actually. Um, uh, last week I got out and, and filmed the show and it was really wild because the, the, I went out, um, we actually filmed the show on Thursday, um, Wednesday when I was out bopping around. Cause you know, you can only be on one lake at one time. So you gotta, you have to take your you know, you take your chances when you go to a lake that you haven't been on in a while. But the reality of it is, is that I have been on a crankbait pattern um, on, on what we talked about in one of the shows, fishing, fishing out and working your way in. And I had been on a really solid crankbait pattern. And so Tuesday I went out to this lake, to a lake, um, and started fishing that crankbait pattern again. And what I found was the fish were moving closer and closer to shore. Well, Tuesday was, you know, 85 degrees, sunny and like two mile an hour or less winds. I mean, it was a slick, flat mirage type of day. And then Thursday, when we went out to film, it was uh, 18 to 25 mile an hour winds, sleet, rain most of the day. And, um, and it was 50 degrees out, 51 degrees out. And, and so, um, when we went to the lake, we were filming at on Thursday, I said, well, we're going to start out, fish our way in and see what the day gives us because I'm not sure I hadn't been on the lake in like a year and a half. So I'm like, we'll just see what the day gives us. And so I started on these short offshore, but connected and not very far offshore. We're talking 20 yards, 30 yards offshore, very shallow, two to five feet at the most, um, because that's where most of the bait was that I was seeing um, when I could see it because of the way the wind was ridiculous. And so what happened was I I didn't catch any fish. So I I said, we're going to make this show about practicing right now because this is a perfect opportunity because I have no clue what's going on on this particular lake. And so I had a bunch of rods out, Carolina rigs, crankbaits, you know, the, the whole mix that you would do the sloppy part of the early fall fishing, you know what I mean? And, and, um, gravitated my way towards the bank. Well, the funniest thing on earth was all these little offshore rock piles and stuff. And when I say offshore on this particular lake, they, they are not two casts off the bank. They're 20 yards off the bank, 30 yards most. So, so I go, (laughs) I go, well, we're going to, I'm going to fish this transition line all the way up into the bank. And then when I hit the bank, we're going to go that way because I know there's a little deep edge on it and we're going to be, we'll find something. So I work my way in, don't catch any fish out, not a fish out. I work my way in. There's one tiny blowdown in the water and it's probably only as fat as a baseball bat. It's a little dinky one. And I'd lob that fat boy up against the side of it, two two pounder. And I'm like, oh, okay. I know what's going down. And so we wound up square billing the rest of the day. And I, I crushed them. I caught so many fish. It was ridiculous. But, um, Trying to put Frank's about tips to work. Oh, I was just throwing some stuff up. Continue. Oh, okay. The story. I thought I you just, wanted me to read that. No, it's just highlighting some of the viewers' morning greetings. Perfect. Good morning, guys. So anyway, the long, the long and short of it is, we go out. I I don't know how many bass I caught, but I was catching a lot of smaller fish. You know, um, eleven to thirteen, fourteen inches. And I'm like, there's bigger ones here. I got to figure out what the bigger ones want. So I come across and I see a, a dark spot way off the bank, probably six feet, seven feet off the bank. I throw on the dark spot. I get a four and a half pounder. Giant. So yeah. So I'm like, okay, we're in. So we, I go, we got to go to another part of the lake, but this particular lake, um, you can't use a, you can't use your outboard on. And I'm in my bass boat and the wind is so horrendous that I can't go two miles an hour into it. 
and I got to go all the way down the lake into the wind. So I'm like, this is going to take us a half an hour. So anyway, long and short of it is I finally get to the other side of the lake and proceed to absolutely slam 12 inchers and 13 inchers. And I'm like, this ain't working out. I know another part of the lake that's got better this type of stuff off the bank mm -hmm. a little bit. We got to go there. And it's like another half hour trip across the lake. Well, we get caught in two torrential downpours where I actually get the bat, bat, get the boat up against the bank over a big bushy leaner, get all the way up underneath it. And while we're waiting for the, you know, for the sleet and the rain to stop. And then we get a little window of opportunity and then I run out and then it pours again. We go back under another tree that, you know, so on and mm -hmm. so on. So it was taking a long time to get, to get what I wanted. Well, I come across <laughs> this one thing and I go, you guys, I said, it's really important when you, when you come to these bigger leaners like this to look way out in front of that tree, because there's a lot, a lot of times there's branches way out there that you can't see. And I, I roll cast that fat boy up on the outside edge of those things. And I feel it coming over one of the branches and I turn around to my cameraman. I go, Joe, dude, I said, I'm hitting branches way the hell out there. And all of a sudden it just goes, and I get one almost six and I'm like, sweet. And so we went, we wound Is that up like making, your biggest one of the year. No, no. No, but it, but it, but it was a good, it was a good show because I got, I transitioned from, you know, a, a pound and three quarter, two pounder to, to one over four to, to one over five. So it was a really good, it was a really good show. It showed going from out to in, then dialing down on a pattern. Um, so it was really nice because um, to be honest with you, if, if it wasn't pouring down rain and so windy, um, and I could have actually covered water. We could have had a banner day because I dialed in on the big bite towards the end of the day. I had it down and, and it was it was crazy. And now here now now, you know, going back to this patterning stuff, because we talk about patterns every single day. So going back to the patterns. Right. So I could have been really happy just literally flying down any bank I wanted with the square bill and literally catching fish all day long, but they were all small. And so I said, there's gotta be, we're missing something. There's a better way to catch a better quality bass. And so then I started thinking about it and then I started getting better quality fish. And then of course, by then, um, the storms had moved in, we were done filming. We couldn't do nothing else after that. It was the, it was, the weather was so terrible, but we had, we had gotten that transition up to the bigger bites, mm -hmm. knowing what I knew at the end of that day. And I say the end of the day, it really wasn't, the day wasn't over. It's just, it was over for us for filming. Um, really could, I really could have had a banner day. Cause, cause once I got into that big bite pattern, it was so obvious you that knew I where you knew you were gonna get dude, bit. Trolling motor on high, ripping down, and then I see the right stuff throw on it, and um, that's that's when that's when glory days happen. You know what I mean? I hear you. Um, so so yeah. So that was the Norman Fat Boy. I didn't know what the show was going to turn into. That show's going to air re really soon, probably within the next, I would say, week. Um, I have a video that's air airing right now. It's um. It's a late summer. I, I can't even read my notes. I should have wrote them huge with magic marker, like you know Gutfeld does. It's uh, like master. Who? It's a talk show guy, master. Who? Greg Gutfeld. Gutfeld? Yeah, <laughs> he's he's great. He's great. He's got a big pad of paper, just okay. like here. <laughs> Sorry, Look, I... you see this stuff right here? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, yeah. He, and then he's got every page number one through whatever. Okay. And when he's on his show he he just holds the, all the papers in his hands and he and he goes through them all and then as he's done you know he just flips them over and flips them it's you know okay it, it, it's smooth i like it, it works all right sorry but I'm not, I'm not doing it so anyway um i have a video out now that's running now it's uh master late summer early fall techniques um i'm gonna have the fall square bill one come out and then guys i got one coming out after the uh fall square billing one that is a massive, massive BTL style deep dive. 
Nice. With maps and it's it's a longer video than most of my videos are three and a half to four minutes tops. Mm-hmm. This one's coming in at around seven or eight. But I go into there's a trick in this video. Oh. And when you guys see it, the bell is gonna go off. Oh. It's gonna show you where you need to be fishing in the winter. And okay. you're gonna find it in the summer. You know who's not gonna find it? Uma. Gary West didn't like the Gutfeld reference. He's out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I, I should have. Uh, we'll continue. Probably no, not. looking forward to it. Uh, I, I probably should. We'll get into the it. into the lure net stuff. I do want to make a note that Scott Turdo uh, uh, created a list of all of the day fours and put it in a Google doc and posted it on the fans of Bass Talk Live. It's a private uh, YouTube page. If you're in a, if you want to who, become who, a who member, did? Scott Turdo. I got He's it under right. uh, Bastards Fishing on here. Oh, okay. Yeah, but he has that fans of BTL uh, Facebook page. And then there's a link, a Google doc on it. And it's got all 86, well, 87 after this, uh, day fours on it directly linked to the youtube show so you can go and click on the google doc whatever you want to scroll down and rewatch or watch dude that is outstanding that's a lot of work that's a ton of work it's something that i've been meaning to do for six months and just haven't got around to it (laughs) maybe you could just steal his (laughs) steal scott's not yeah it's 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 uh scott's idea so massive Thank you. I just that's what I was I was messing around on my phone with it and I looked at it and I was like, holy cow, each one of these is individually linked. So it's like that first post there. So you can become a member of that fan page. I will uh see if maybe he could send it to me and I can put it on the uh Well, we're redoing a bunch of social media for twenty twenty three. Gotcha. Uh, as far yeah. as day four, BTL at the whole nine yards. So. Hey Scott, type in how long did it take you to do that? Just curious. Just type that in. Give me a uh, yeah, we did skip episode 69. That was just a executive decision. <laughs> he said he was bored at work. Gotcha. Okay, so, so the other thing is uh, for LureNet, because I forgot all about it, yep. um, it's September 29th through October 5th. Um, swim jigs and swim baits are on sale. So... This is a good opportunity because we're coming right into the season right now. Um, mobster swim jigs, uh, swim baits, which I, which this time of year, that's what my trailers are. Um, they're Pulse Minnows and they're Scottsboro swim baits. Um, that's how I fish my swim jigs as the seasons get colder. I'm not doing the Alabama shake anymore. I'm doing, I'm more slow rolling them like I would fish a chatterbait or like I would fish a slow roll a spinnerbait. So this is, this is a very timely sale and I was really happy to see that. Plus swim baits, you can stock up on, for your flash mob juniors because winter time is coming. So you can, you'll be able to stock up for, you know, just flash mob trailers, which is another fantastic uh, deal. Um, the other thing is I get a lot of guys DMing me because um I'm very, as you know, for, I think we did this on the last show. Like, like I'm really specific about rods, line, everything I'm using. I'm really meticulous about it. Um, and every, it's no secret. Everybody knows that I'm a Powell rods guy. Um, that's no secret. I've been fishing Powell rods since shoot. I can't even tell you how long, 25 years, maybe longer. Um, there's a code you can use on on Powell's website. It's all capital letters, Uncle Frank, one word, all caps. Um, he has specials and stuff on the website um, from time to time, but you'll get you'll get free shipping anywhere in the United States um, with that code. So please use it. Um, it. It helps track where sales are coming from, and um, and free shipping is good. Um, plus he, he runs specials on there all the time. Um, because I get a lot of DMS guys want, what rod are you using for Mm -hmm. this? What, and where can I get it? And blah, blah, blah. So now, so now I I can tell you, he's got, he's got a fresh stock, fresh supply of, uh, rods in 
He's going to have more in about 25 days, even more. So, um, you know, he's finally got his, his shipments in. So take advantage of it before they're out because you know how with the way shipping is today, um, you got to take advantage when it's here. Um, but anyway, that's really, um, I guess that's really the uh, fall special. Yeah, the fall Swim special. And then I it. also did notice uh, under the paint shop, and the name of it caught my attention. Of course it did. <laughs> Ten killer colored super spook. Absolutely. Absolutely. Check them out. What um, color would you describe that? Bluish, greenish, chartreuse silver? Yeah, pull it up. Can you pull it up? Yeah. Hold on For all the world to see. It's kind of a loose show today. There it is. Yeah, it's a pretty sweet color. I mean, the per- the the transparent, semi-transparent belly and the pearls on that thing are really nice. Um, it's a really slick color. You're going to get some of the back color shine through from underneath the belly because it's semi-transparent. So it's a pretty, it's a sweet bait. It's a sweet bait, and it is the super spook. So obviously, it's not the it's the three hooker, not the two hooker. Hey, I've got. Uh, I've got one buddy. It just was interesting that I'll bring this up. I got one buddy who swears he refuses to fish a, a walking style bait without a feather treble and says mm-hmm. that you get more bites than they target. I've got another buddy who says feather treble on a spook is the dumbest thing ever because it makes the profile bigger and it reduces the action of the bait because it drags the tail and it doesn't walk as good. So I got okay. one that's you have to and one that's you never. Well, that and, and that's the beauty part about fishing, okay? Um, a guy's confidence, he'll say, you always have to do this if he's confident in something. And if a yeah. guy's got a different confidence, he'll be, and it could be polar opposite, just like this. But here, if a tail feather is tied properly, it doesn't change the action of the walking bait at all. If you tie them big, thick, and bulky, it's like dragging seaweed on the back of it. So, so you, tr- you tie the tail feathers very sparsely. It's not, you don't want a lot back there. You just want it to look like a tail thin. If you're, you know, when you're walking the bait and it's going back and forth on you, okay, there's a lot of times where I'll walk a bait and then, and, and I'll walk it real fast. So it's, and then I'll slide it. Then I'll do a, a long, slow pull and it goes, and then I'll do it again and it'll come back and then I'll go and then it speed it up again when you do the slow pull on it that tail undulates there and a little bit of crystal flash in the tail it looks just like a fin on a fish um I'm gonna debunk the never throw a uh never throw a tail feather on a walking bait I'm debunking that right now um there are times when I don't and there's most of the time I do his other theory was if they're on any sort of smaller bait that it enhances, it makes the profile two inches larger that you don't want. No, it, all it looks like is the, the tail feathers on a, I mean, the tail, okay. the transparent tail on a fish. That's all it looks like. I, you, when you talk about profile, if they're, if, if they're on a smaller profile, you go to the Super Spook Junior. If they're on a smaller profile, you go to the Spook Boyo. I mean, that's why there's different size walking baits. So you match your walking bait to the size of the shad or to what the bass preference is. Um, that's how I approach it. I've got Super Spooks, Spooks, Super Spook Juniors, and Boyos. So I've got the big ones, smaller, smaller, smaller. And so then, so whatever the bass are on, I got the size for it. So the, t- the, the tail feather, and I don't, I, I'm not bragging on any disagreement here about not having a tail feather or having I know, that's your opinion on it. Right, but that's my opinion. There's different size walking baits for, for that purpose, for the, the size forage the bass are keying in on. I like it. Uh, there's a Tell tournament me. this, what? Go ahead. No, I was moving on. What else did you have? That yeah, move on. I was going to make a spinnerbait reference to that size issue. Oh, um, definitely make it. Now I'm intrigued. Okay, so so with our spinnerbaits, okay, the, the most popular size spinnerbait is 3 eighths. The second most popular size is half ounce. 
Okay. Well, you could literally, like I throw a lot of quarter ounces and five sixteenths and I'll bump up my blade size a little bit so I could float these baits in the water. So it becomes a finesse approach. Okay. But I can create a bigger profile on a quarter ounce or a three sixteenths by adding a bigger blade to it. When the fish are really on big spinner baits, I'll throw halves and three quarters with no problem. When they're on the when they're really on giant shad, I'll throw a spinner bait with the pulse minnow trailer on it to really make it look big. You know what I'm saying? So there's you pay attention to the what the bass are telling you what size bait fish they are you can modify any bait to fit that profile but that's why there's so many different size lures so so there's a lot of things that you don't have to make massive modifications on them you could just downsize the lure up change a blade real simple process it takes two seconds to do it i like anyway. it that's, Man, that's, I want to go straight to the buzz baits because I saw you had that. I heard it. That's it. there's nothing better than that sound, like in the early morning, oh, that, I know. that that kind of rattle with the blade, and then you go, and it's like you're like, oh, it's, it's going to be a good morning. Exactly. Uh, but I did want to get your thoughts. There was a derby last week. I was at the Red River. Keith Pochet did win that event, doing some uh, crazy uh, off the grid is the name of his show stuff to access backwater bass. Uh, and then I, I, uh, we were chatting a little bit before we went live there and you're like, well, you know, and I'm looking at your profile and I'm like, son of a gun, you have two top tens out of Shreveport on the red river. And I said, I was ever there. I said, you got any crazy stories and you started to launch into a crazy story. And I said, dude, we got to save this for the show. So yes, I would love before we get into the buzz bait second half of the the show, entertain us with some, uh, some life decisions that you've made on the Red River to to cash almost twenty thousand dollars there over two tournaments. Right, it's true. Um, the here's the crazy thing. Okay, um, I've never been to the Red River until that elite event. So. <clears throat> but I grew up fishing the Ohio river. So on the Ohio river back in the day. And I'm, when I say back in the day, guys, I mean, I was like 19 years old. So, you know, I don't think we had running water back then. So anyway, so bad. So, <laughs> so I used to do things to, to put myself in a position where I want to go where nobody is. Okay, so I would go up these creeks and backwaters on the Ohio River as far as I could go till I couldn't go any farther. Um, and I and then I would find these bass that were literally unmolested and it was like taking candy from a baby. So what happened in one of these tournaments, I went up this creek, I went through a tube and I had to pull the boat through. It was a real narrow tube. I had to pull the boat through the tube, take my windshield off, you know, the whole nine yards. And I get through the tube and it keeps on going. And I'm like, holy crap. So I start the boat up and I'm going to go, but I can't go because I'm, I'm literally stuck in the mud. So I put uh, towels underneath my trolling motor to elevate it So and trim all the motors up. I push, pull, pull, push, do everything I can, get over this mud flat. It drops down to about six feet. I can idle. I keep idling. I keep going. I keep going. And all of a sudden, there's another tube. And I'm like, no way. And so I put the nose of my boat through this tube. And it was like a trout stream on the other side. Only it was just flat, loaded with bass. Crystal clear. Beautiful. It was unbelievable. And and the bottom, I st- stuck the rod tip down there, and the, it was all sand and gravel and everything. So I was like, holy shit. So anyway, and the tournament comes along. I go back up in there, and I think I took third or second in that tournament back there. Okay? So... Back even back when I was a kid, I was always looking for the hard to reach places. Mm-hmm. So to the Red River we go. So I go to the Red River. Now all you guys know I'm a structure fisherman. I love offshore fishing. Well, you ain't getting that there. 
Okay. So I relegated myself to saying I'm going to be fishing zero to four feet deep, probably 90% of the time. So out comes my spinner bait, out comes two flipping sticks, and out comes my square bill, and I'm a happy camper because I don't have any rods on the deck. Fishing is the, the system made it easy for me. So the first day I launched my boat, I, I'm and I'm going to tell you, I've never been. <laughs> was never there i launched the boat and i had to go back into the little boat house guy and ask him where the main river was was it right there at red river south probably we had to go you know now that most of the trees are blown away so it's open now but back then it was a forest the whole thing was a forest and so i had to ask him how to get to the main river I've been and, he, <laughs> and he started laughing at me and he goes, dude, you just, you got to keep going that way. And I'm like, holy crap, I'll never find my way back. You know what I mean? So anyway, so the long and short of it is I, I go and I start fishing and I, and I'm not catching anything like, like nothing. And I'm going, this is, this is crazy. So I, I lock through and I start fishing and I'm, and I'm concentrating now more main rivery because I'm real familiar with that. I start catching a few. So I'm like, Oh, cool. All right, cool. So, but I'm not, I'm not setting the world on fire. I go up one backwater area and it's bumping stumps forever. The boats this way, the boats that way. It's, you know how it is. I'm like, this is ludicrous, man. I, I I'm just not, I'm not dialing in. So the next day, I'm like, I don't know what the hell to do. So I get my paper maps out. I get go on Google Earth. I start looking around and I go, well, that looks kind of Ohio rivery over there. Let me go there. So I lock through. I truck up the I truck downstream. I go up some backwater and it's it's and I keep on going. And I keep on going and I keep on going and I'm like, holy crap. Then it splits in two directions and I'm like, I don't know which split to go through. So I, I go to the right and I get up and it's all blocked off, fallen trees everywhere. I can't get through. So I go to the left and I'm going and going and going and the current is ripping. The current is like like a salmon river. It is ripping up here and I'm like, whoa. And I there's a railroad trestle and all the timbers piled up against the railroad trestle. I can't get through. I can't get through. I see a small opening and I can see the water funneling down over these things. So I, I wonder if I can pop the boat up there. So I, I go and I, and I get up to the end of current so strong. My boat's doing all that. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to literally squeeze my boat through a slot that is literally almost as wide as the boat is. And I don't know what's underwater, but I know the water's veeing through there. So if I could stay on top, I could probably get up and over that. So sure enough, I give the boat some juice, man. And I pop up over that stuff and I get up over it and I'm on the other side and I go again and I'm running and running and running. And I go, Oh my God, there's another, there's another bridge way up there. And so I go, I wonder if I can get through it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a ways away from it, maybe 40, 50 yards away from it. And it's completely blocked. It's like a freaking beaver dam. And I'm like, Oh my God, I wasted an hour trying to get up here. And then I looked at the land and I saw a dip in the left side of the river left. I saw a dip in the tree line and I go, dude, that's got to be a backwater. So I go up there and sure enough, there's a spot wide enough for my boat to sneak through. So I squirt the boat over that and I grab my flipping stick and the first pile of trash I came to, I flipped in there. I got one. So I, I shake them off and I go, holy crap. So now I put the trolling motor down and I start easing my way in there. I had 21 pitches. I had 21 bites. Oh, my gosh. I said, I'm out of here. And then I f- made sure that I could run on plane, except for the obstructions that I had to get mm-hmm. through, on plane all the way there. Well, what I didn't know, because I was never there before, the water was high and falling. Okay. This is what I didn't know. And so it turns out that I'm in like 
at the time I, the, I was in seventh on the going into the last day. I was in seventh. Roland was in tenth. Um, Bass said, "Hey, Frankie, we we're gonna put a camera in Roland's boat." Um, and and obviously it was my rookie year. Um, they, they're like, "We're gonna put a camera in Roland's boat. We only have seven. Um, so you're gonna." We'll, we'll come and find you. They said, we'll come and find you. I said, you ain't never going to find me. You know what I mean? And they're like, well, just tell us where you are. We'll come and find you. I said, you ain't never finding me. And I didn't tell them where I was at. And so in the tournament morning, the last day, well, the second day of the tournament, when I was running up there, there was one point in time where I was literally like, getting it and I'm getting it in a very narrow area where, you know, I had done this already in practice and everything and everything was good. Mm -hmm. And I was flying down there and the second day of the tournament, I hit something, boom, the vocal. So I took it off a plane real quick. I turned around. I went right back to whatever it was I hit and I put a waypoint on it. And my non-boaters like, dude, what the hell are you doing? I go, I got to make sure I don't hit that on the way out. So I got to, we're going to get off a plane and I'll idle over it and then go, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So sure enough, third day, no camera guy, no nothing. (laughs) I'm running up there, dude. And I, and I'm flying, man. And I I go, Oh shit. And my non-voter goes like that. And all of a sudden we go boom like that. I go, never mind. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. So anyway, so yeah, so I wound up having a really good finish up there. Um, and the iron, the irony of it is the next time I go down there, um, I went up there and up to that side and did all that stuff. And, not a single bite, not a single freaking bite. So I said, holy smokes. Well, I'll go up and see, I'll go up the other way and see what's the other way because I couldn't get up the other way the year before. So let me go see what I'm already up there. Yeah. What's it going to hurt? You know, I'm 30 freaking miles from nowhere. So I go up the other side and there's this giant flipping tree across the whole thing. So I'm like, man, I wonder if I could get on that tips of those branches and walk my boat over those branches and then i maybe i can keep going so i go, i get my boat on the bank literally because the i can't get near where the big trunk of the tree is so i got to go where all those smaller branches are and i'm and i'm walking the boat you know boom boom to getting over those branches well sure enough there's another tree that i don't see underwater going the opposite way it's a bigger fatter tree well I crawl the boat over there and that thing locks between my outboard and my jack plate and I'm stuck in there. So I'm like, Holy crap, what am I going to do? So I wound up putting the boat in reverse and backing up and trying to pull that leaner out of there so I can get forward over top of it. I'm backing it up, trying to go forward when I can't get over it. I raise the motor, raise the jack plate and I'm, and it's, it's literally in there and I can't long and short of it is I wound up putting it in reverse and actually trimming it down to hold the stump and pl- the leaner in place, backed it up, backed it up, backed it up. And I got it to move a little bit. You know what I mean? And then I freaking got off of it and I went around that tree and off I went. And sure enough, I found another backwater up there and pounded their brains out in that tournament up there too. Um, it's good stuff. It was crazy, but you know, I had committed because I was super, when I say far from everything, I mean far from everything. And it was not one of those rides for the faint of heart. You know what I mean? Cause mm-hmm. I was running through some stuff. I probably should have never been running some through. gnarly stuff. Yeah. I was not, not smart, but, it happens smart enough you know what i mean you got paid mm-hmm. i absolutely got paid i think i think i fished three tournaments there and got checks in all three <laughs> but one of my finishes was like a 30th or 35th or something like that that's strong those are big fields yeah they were it was it was crazy um it was crazy i fished a real popular backwater the one time and um lit them up 
I just couldn't get giant fish. But I caught them all day. Me and my non-boater must have went through 60 or 70 fish. But th- but you got to remember, dude, the Red River was fishing back then. Yeah, yeah, I think they had a... Uh, yeah. They had some flooding and some... A lot of the oh, guys dude. that I talked to in the tournament, like I was talking with Brad, and I was like, where'd, where'd all the big ones go? And he's like, all the ponds that are beautiful... <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. swam back there at the high water and said, "Why would we go back to the river?" Right, exactly. I mean, but that's anyway, exactly it's right. coming back. Like I said I got some bites there, but uh, oh, it's uh, it's coming back. I mean, it's uh, river systems are cyclical. They really are. Even the Ohio. Oh, the Ohio's the most cyclical river I've ever been on. One year it'll fish lights out, one year, and then the next year you you, you might as well go bluegill fishing. I mean, that's just how it is. But but the Ohio changed its complexion around a lot. It's not the same river that it used to be. Um, s- smallmouth are way more prevalent. Back in the day, uh, spots and largemouth were more prevalent. Um, and, and now the farther south you go on the pools, you can still do the largemouth spotted bass thing. Um, the farther north you go, it turns into all smallmouth fisheries. And so it's not a bad thing. I've had some glorious smallmouth days on the upper pools in the Ohio. Big, big smallmouth days. You ever talk buzz baits? Mm-hmm. It's that time of the year, isn't it? This it is, is my bad. this is this is something I've been looking forward to. I didn't look at the list. I don't think have you done a buzz bait show? No, and 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 actually, here's the bummer of it all. Um, literally decided on the buzz bait show about one and a half minutes before we aired. Um, so I didn't have a chance. Well, we can just do some tips and tricks. We can wet the whistle and then go back and dive in if there's a right. ample so, supply of interest in it. Right. So we'll, we'll just, we'll just touch on it, but um, because all, all my buzz baits are in my boat, so I didn't have a chance to dive into them. Um, but, but, but here for let's, I'll just keep it real simple to start and we'll, we'll get deeper and deeper as we move through this. Okay. Um, Skirts on buzz baits, traditional. We'll just call them traditional. Okay. Traditional style buzz baits with the skirt. Um, I always use a trailer with a skirted buzz bait, but I'll usually use, I'll use like a split tail eel or a ringworm or something of that effect. Something that doesn't push and move a lot of water. I keep it really thin, streamlined. Um, most of my skirted buzz baits, are three eighth ounces or less. Um, and then sometimes just depends. Um, I have some bait hacks that I do to them to make them squeak more and stuff like that. Um, but three eighth ounce to halves, uh, those buzz baits, I, I don't throw them with skirts on them. I like swim bait trailers or toad style bit trailers on them, like the tiptoed. Um, the War Eagle buzz bait with the tiptoed on it. This is what I do when I start getting three eighths and bigger. Uh, that's that's kind of what I throw. The toad on the back. Yeah, the toad, or of course you already saw this one because I showed it already. This is a War Eagle buzz bait, but I use the full size pulse minnow on it. That's I'm something sure. that's. Have you been doing the plastics on the back for a long time, or is that something yeah. that is fairly? It's new? it's it's getting popularity today with the advent of some of these sexier swim baits we have. Here, I'll tell you what I used to do. This is how long ago I did this. I used a um, Mister Twister paddle tail on the back of them. Sassy Shad. Remember the Sassy yeah, Shad? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I used to use on the back of them. Interesting. And so I have been doing this, obviously, if I said Sassy Shad, most of my life. Okay? It's only now to getting popular because we have we have such good swim baits on the market today, like Scottsboro and Pulse and all mm-hmm. the other brands. Okay? Um that now they look like real minnows, you know what I mean? And so it's becoming more popular. I mean, I've, I've fished them on when chatterbaits first came out, I tear the skirts off of them and, and 
you know, fish swim baits on my chatterbait. Um, I didn't even use skirts on my chatterbaits when they first came out. Now, I do use skirts on my chatterbaits now, um, especially when I want bluegill or crawdad imitating stuff, because I'll, I'll use the yum spine craw as a trailer um, on them. And, but now we're going into chatterbaits and not buzzbaits, um, you know, that kind of thing. And then I'll, I'll gravitate towards my more shaddy type stuff as the season progresses. You know, because mm-hmm. because with the chatterbait, you're going to imitate bluegills, rock bass, crayfish um, early in the season. And then you're going to start to go into your shad imitators as the season progresses. Um, go ahead. So is a buzz bait imitating a shad all the time? Is it uh, is it a reaction bait that they're angry well, that they're destroying? What it what it when or when is the ideal time for you that you're going to pick up a buzz bait? Because I know a lot of guys throw them, you know, from the spring and once the water hits a certain all the way through the fall right. once the water hits but it seems like right now seems to be a key time when a lot of guys and you hear a lot about the buzz baits but just well, the, as a whole the, what are they doing what are they okay eating? so here's the deal the biggest the biggest missed bite on a buzz bait is pre-spawn pre-spawn um, yeah we're gonna get that right out of the rip that's the biggest missed bite um buzz bait pre-spawn is dynamic you find a lot of spawning flats that way, and you catch a lot of giant bass that way in the pre-spawn. Summer buzz, bu- summer buzz bait fishing is predicated a lot on the fishery you're fishing. Okay, if it's traditionally a shallow water fishery, there can be top water all all year long. Um, that's just a fact. I generally, when I get into real grassy lakes, um. I'll put the buzz bait down and opt for the super spook or super spook junior because I just think they're more effective. But as the water starts to cool down in the fall, you can't beat the buzz bait on grass lakes, on wood lakes, on any lake. Bass are feeding heavy. They're all keyed in on shad this time of year. This is the shad bite. Okay. So, when I'm throwing buzz baits in the fall, all I'm doing is imitating shad. Okay. And here, look, even even the even the the war eagle with the tiptoed on it. You see what color I got? Shad it's shad. Color. It's a shad color. Um, and that's pretty much the deal. Now I'll throw this bait in the summer, and I might go all black or black and blue on it. Because now I'm imitating other things. Could be a mouse. Could be a frog. Could be you know, you're imitating other things because the bass are feeding what's around them in that environment. Um, but in the fall, it's it's shad. It's it's bait fish all the way in the fall. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so trailer hooks. Um, I'm a 50-50 on a trailer hook on a buzz bait. Um, I have done it. I did it on the Potomac because I, I wasn't hooking up. They were missing the buzz bait and I wasn't hooking up. So I added a trailer hook on the Potomac one time and it helped. Um, but what helped out even more was going to an oversized blade on a lighter buzz bait and slowing it way the hell down. Almost just like you were with the spinner bait. Right. That's exactly what I did. And once I slowed that thing down enough, they were choking on it. Um, so, so this, again, we, again, from the beginning of the show, you can modify a bait based on conditions given to you if you, if you recognize it. And so I recognize it on the Potomac. I'm like, they're behind this thing all the time. I couldn't slow it down. And back then I was, um, the tiptoed wasn't out yet. Um, because I, you can fish a tiptoed slower than you can a horny toad. So the tiptoed wasn't out then. So, so I, I got off the horny toad and I went to the buzz bait um, and then upsized my blade on the buzz bait and then started crushing them. So uh, clacker, no clacker. I know Booyah has, I mean, they yeah. got the, da, 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 and then others that just squeal. Some of the other buzz baits, they hit the head. What's your right. deal? Squeal versus clacking. Clacking is fantastic. If you're the only one throwing one. If the guy in the back of your boat's throwing clackers and you're throwing clackers, I, I want to push him out of the boat. 
Um, <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the same thing with rattle baits. If if I'm throwing rattle baits and the guy in the back of the boat's throwing rattle baits, I I, I want to push him out of the boat because there's too much noise going on. Okay, it's too crazy. Um, so what I do with clacker super dirty water or heavy weed growth the clacker is fantastic because you're calling fish from farther distance but if i'm subtle approach and i'm and i'm in a you know area that's protected and it's quiet Mm -hmm. squeak i want squeak all the way squeak before everything um that's my rule of thumb no squeak no play um and that's a squeak imitate or does that just piss them off, or does it just draw them in? What's the deal with the squeak, in your opinion? I, you know what? Truthfully, I don't know. Um, I don't know. But when you get the right squeak, that buzzbait's magical. And there's there's tricks to do it. There's tricks to make it to to make you get that way and stuff like that. But um, so clacker, I I throw clacker, dirty conditions, heavy weed growth. Subtle approach. I want squeaking. Um, if a guy in the back of my boat's throwing a clacker, I'm not throwing a clacker. If if he's throwing a if he's throwing a just a standard ordinary buzzbait, I'll throw a clacker in front of him. Um, but that's kind of the buzzbait approach. I do not throw buzzbaits on braided line. That's no. the one. That's the one thing I do not do. Um, not saying that I would never do it. I just don't do it. Um, probably I want to experiment with it though. Um, I have to be honest with you. I want to experiment with throwing it on braid, uh, because I've heard a lot of good things about it. I'm a mono guy on my buzz bait stretch. Yeah. I want them to get it, take it, choke on it. And then I'll let the rod do the dirty work. Um, that's kind of my approach. Plus, um, you know, I like I said, I just don't I don't throw it on a buzz. I mean, on braid a lot, but when you consider you throw your toad style baits on braid, really, what's the difference? You know what I mean? There's no dang difference. If you just wait till the bass loads the rod, you should be in good shape. Mm-hmm. I would I would probably go to a little softer tip. I think if I went to the braid on the buzz bait. Clay also brings up a good point. He said, also, I only like a black two blade but that is the deal you talk about the shad patterns but there is a black buzz bait by black blade 100%. black skirt or black toad i struggle 100%. with when you go with black versus when you go with white the potomac i had to go black and white i had to go black and white skirt with a black trailer to catch them on the potomac what is with the why are they is it a, a silhouette thing are they able I to think see it's, it better yeah. I think it's silhouetted better in that tanniny brownish color water. Okay. Um, I think it's silhouetted better, but, but here on the Potomac, I threw, I took my blade and I colored it with a Sharpie. So it was like black anodized looking blade. Mm-hmm. I colored it with a Sharpie. Gold, so, silver, black, purple, green, oxidized or anodized. What blade wise are you sticking silver and black? I traditionally throw gold most of the time. Yeah, I throw gold most of the time. You just like it. I just like it. Confidence thing. I got a buddy of mine that'll, he's silver till he dies with a buzz bait. And he catches just as many as I do. I'm just really, I'm really into the gold anodized blades. Um, I just like the dull finish on them. Um, personal preference here again we you touched on it in the beginning of the show one guy says no feather one guy says absolutely feather um it's the same thing with me with a buzz bait i say absolutely a gold blade my buddy says absolutely a silver blade and and i can't tell you i can't tell you that there's a difference when when the buzz bait bites on i can't tell you that there's a difference we're ripping through this stuff uh yeah we're speed Speed. So this is the other thing. Uh, I have seen a big difference in my boat. If I'm up there and I want a buzzbait bite and I'm going, and I've got a guy in the back and I've had this happen in a Toyota once. He was sitting down in his seat. He'd make the cast and go, 
And I kept saying, what do you do different? And he's like, son, I'm barely turning the handle. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's how I prefer to fish the buzz bait. Slow. Slow and methodical as I can. That's why I, <clears throat> that's why I have buzz bait blades with me of different sizes. Um, because if it's too windy and I can't throw the quarter, I can put the three eights, bump the blade size up a little bit and keep it slower. Um, and then there's times when they want it literally Mach 10. Um, where if you're not smoking that thing across the top, you're not getting a bite when you here, when you're throwing a buzz bait and you're ripping it as fast as you could reel it and they're demolishing it. That's 110%, nothing but a reflex bite. Those bass are shallow. That thing's ripping over their head and all the fish thinks is holy crap, whatever that is, it's getting away and they totally react on it. It's it's not a hunger strike. When you're doing that bup, 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 with the thing, you're appealing to everything with them. Not only their predatory instinct, but their hunger instinct. But when you're smoking that thing, it's totally a reaction bite. Totally. I um I haven't figured this out, but there's something to it with I don't know whether it's something in the water or whether it's I've heard about uh uh barometric pressure but that it's best when your buzz baits leaving a bubble trail. I've had it where you start out in the morning and there's no bubble trail and then a front moves in and then all of a sudden you have a thick bubble trail behind your buzz bait. And I've always, uh, I guess the old wives tale is the bigger, the bubble trail, something's <laughs> happening. Something's happening with the pressure where it's dropping. The pressure is dropping, creating the bubble trail and you're about to get, obliterated when that yeah. bubble trail starts is that something that you've ever come across or is that just I, me no i've never noticed it you ever I, heard that no i never you've I've never heard never sometimes heard you throw it and you have a bubble trail and sometimes you don't no i've never heard that i i know that i tweak my buzz baits out to the nth degree and i'm mostly getting a bubble trail um i don't pay attention to the bubble trail i pay more attention to the sound um, once I got the right sound, everything is working, and it works. Um, Frank, you got to go out. High bluebird skies. I'm going to do buzz bait. Try to get a bubble trail. Then I'm overcast, something comes through. You get that kind of feel, then tie it on. It'll blow your mind. There's a bubble trail behind it. Yeah, I'm totally going to do that. Now, not only that, um, like I don't hesitate to throw a buzz bait in the rain either. When it's raining, I'll throw it. I don't mean like a torrential downpour where you can't see the front of your boat mm -hmm. but if it's raining i'll throw it if in fact if it's raining and i'm shallow water fishing i got a buzz bait and a spinner bait and a square bill out you'll throw and it I, all day i mean when what is your ideal conditions when they're eating it <laughs> <laughs> i i've i've literally had days where i never put it down um to be honest with you but i've had days like that with a lot of top waters where especially the spooks um, if I'm, if I'm fishing a top water and I know the bites are more quality on it, I'll suffer through getting less bites for the quality. Um, and a buzz bait is a quality fish bait. So if you're, if you're really on a buzz bait bite, um, I'll stay with it until I can't catch them on it anymore. Uh, and that's the truth because you're, you're going to have a much bigger bag with the buzz bait um then you are you know if you're fishing other things and you and you, without it tackle crafty says when the bubbles froth and they don't pop quick it's on <laughs> i'm i completely am not i'm oblivious to the bubbles man um i'm gonna have to pay attention to that I think maybe, that the maybe fish I look just, up and they see the bubbles and they say, I wonder where those bubbles are leading. And then they follow the <laughs> bubbles like a breadcrumb trail and then they come upon the buzz bait. Well, I think they get, <laughs> I think they eat the buzz bait because they think they're baby bass boats and they want to get them before they grow up. Can we end on that? <laughs> <laughs> Could we what? <laughs> Could we end the show on that, on that comment? <laughs> Because it's so bad. That's a great one. I've never heard that before. Because <laughs> it's such a bad, <laughs> such a bad joke. <laughs> How have I never heard? Did you just come up with that now? No, I heard it when I was a tiny lad. 
The buzz baits are baby bass boats. They want to eat them before they grow up. Yeah, it's factual. I like it. (laughs) Hey, uh, this has been a very eclectic show. We've covered a bunch of good stories in there about the Red River. I mean, you can also learn from those stories just about following your instinct and pushing the limits. I can't tell you how many times I've... uh, you know, recently, especially on bodies of water that you're not familiar with, have committed to going somewhere and then for no apparent reason gone 80%, but not 100%. Yeah, you got to go the mile. If you're going to go the mile, go the mile. Um, my, my whole thing is I'm already here. I came here for a reason. I'm not cutting it short. I'm going till I can't go. Um, if I, if I, my personality is such that if I, went all the way and then right before the end turned around and left, I would not be able to sleep at night. I would have to, I'd get up the next day and go right back there. Um, because I, because you, you got to go that extra mile because you don't know what's there until you're there. I like it. Uh, lure net mobster swim jigs. And what else is 15% off swim baits? And, and remember, baits. and remember, because flash mob season's coming up, so the swim baits get them, get them while they're on sale. Because so those little Scottsboro's, oh yeah, or dude, the Pulse money. minnows or any right. of that stuff, money. All right, so you mentioned a couple times during the show. You said something about bluegill fishing. You mentioned some other species. Next oh, week's yeah. show, next week's show is going to be a, a jammer. Oh, I got yeah, I got an idea. Next week's show, guys. You we've talked about idea. bass fishing for we've talked about bass fishing for a year and a half on here on day fours uh, when we toured Uncle Frank's shop. What do you want to call it? Shop dungeon? Shop yeah, my dungeon. <laughs> I'm a cellar dweller. I'm a typical Italian. <laughs> well, dude, you do uh, all sorts of saltwater. You do trout. You do walleye. You do all sorts of other species. Yeah, if it's got fins and eyeballs, I want to catch it. And we were having this discussion about how uh, it's kind of like a, a good athletes often grew up and are, are often talented in other sports. LeBron James was a, uh, I don't know, see, can you talk about him being from Ohio? Yeah, Still, you good? He was a big time football player. And right. You talk about all these guys that were good at multiple sports. Well, I look at multiple species like different right. sports. Get better bass fishing by expanding your horizons, and that's kind of what you're going to go into next week. Yeah, I mean, look at some of the best bass fishermen or the best deer hunters. I mean, look at it. It happens. It happens. All right. This has been another edition of Day Four with the man Frank Scalish, number eighty-seven. 87. I got to write that down so I don't forget. That means next week's 88. That's right. We're, we're approaching 100, dude. We're going to do something special for 100, hopefully. We are. We are. All right. We'll see everyone next week.